Welcome in, welcome in to Farscast. Happy New Year. It is 2021. Hope you guys had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. Hope you guys all had a joyous holiday season. I was going to do a podcast before uh, Christmas, but um, I was trying to line up a, a guest here and there, but it just didn't match up uh, because of the holidays. So I just figured, hey, why not let it go? I could use a little bit of a break from the podcast anyway. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are home during the holiday season, so a lot of you guys maybe wanted to hear an episode. I understand a lot of people who do podcasts or even radio shows, uh, a lot of radio show hosts are actually uh, even going on hiatus for a couple of weeks. So, uh, But hey, uh, no worries. Uh, we're back now, and I'm very excited. My good friend Melody McAllister is going to be joining us in just a moment. She is an author for the uh, of the I'm Sorry Story. And in fact, she's been on the podcast before. So if you haven't, check out our previous podcast together. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of things here and there. A friend of mine, uh, a Chiefs Chiefs fan in Alaska, uh, of all places. So fellow Chiefs fan in Alaska. Very excited to talk to her about anything and everything. Education, Chiefs, uh, sports, and whatnot. Whatever we'll uh, touch on here and there. Uh, listen, man, uh, I, I know a lot of people are, uh, happy that it's 2021. Some people are saying it's going to be the same. Some are saying it's going to be worse. Some are saying it's going to be better because there's really not much else you can go from where, how 2020 ended. Uh, look, here's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen in 2021. I don't know. No one really does to be quite honest, but here's what I will say because 2020 was a crazy year started off with that crazy uh story about Kobe Bryant and his tragic death and then uh, of course the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl I was thrilled about that now I know a lot of my listeners and followers on social media were uh, excited about that as well but then things came uh to a I mean things just went crazy shortly after that uh sports were cut off a lot of uh movies TV shows that were still in production they had to be put on hold, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of movies come out this year. We didn't have uh, a, lot, a lot of TV shows. Um, some networks are still doing a lot of reruns because they don't have anything to air right now. So it is kind of a crazy time right now as, you know, the pandemic has kind of gone back and forth a little bit here. It, it's going continuing to go up the past couple of months in the United States. So it is a crazy time, but, you know, all the discussion about race, Took a completely huge turn, and we also had the biggest election turnout uh, for a presidential election. And here's what I'm going to say. You know, whether you dealt with something bad during this pandemic, whether you got the virus yourself, if, if, if a family member, or uh, maybe you lost a loved one. Uh, from the uh, pandemic. Maybe you lost a job because of this. Maybe your job uh, has suffered uh, because of this pandemic. Uh, Or maybe someone who has dealt with the issues in race. Or maybe your uh, preferred candidate didn't win. Here's my thing, man. Find ways to better yourself. Because I think, you know, we're still in this divide. I mean, we're debating race and a virus, of all things. Uh, which is silly. I, I, and look, I don't think anyone is thrilled that we saw all, all the uh, looting and whatnot. No one loves any of that. No one loves that this pandemic has shut down so many businesses. But people have so many different ways about how a message should be sent and how we should 
try to uh, approach things. I think what we need to do is find ways to better ourselves in 2021, uh, individually and those around us. I think that's very important. It's important to reflect on 2020 and what it really was. Um, I mean, look, man, we lost a lot of legends. Gail Sayers, that was a personal one for me because I've had the uh, honor of interviewing him. Uh, super, super nice guy. Kobe Bryant, Chadwick Boseman, uh, Van Halen. I mean, it was a crazy year. We truly did lose a lot, a lot of legends. It happens every year, but this year was worse than others. But, you know, when you learn from these activities that all went down in 2020, what can we do to be better about all of these things in 2021? I think that's an important thing to keep in mind as we move forward to the new year. All right, joining me in just a moment, Melody McAllister right here on Farscast. Welcome in to Farscast. We are recording this uh, live on my Facebook page, and uh, we are also doing this on the podcast. I've been doing this uh, little thing on my podcast, so something new to start off. So we've done this with Eddie Law, one of my good friends. He does a lot of things, NFL, college football, MMA, uh, blogs and podcasts. We also did this with Charles Goldman, who uh, runs the Chiefs Wire website. And uh, we're going to keep doing this uh, until you guys don't like it. So we'll see how long that, uh, <laughs> that lasts for. But nonetheless, uh, joining me right now on Farscast is my good friend, Melody McAllister. She is the author of this book right here, The I'm Sorry Story. You guys can check that out online. Uh, I'll let her, uh, I'll give her an opportunity to explain how you guys can find that. She is uh, uh, the author of that story and a good friend of mine all the way in Alaska. Yes. What's going on? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I feel like I, I was, I'm trying to share it to my page, but I don't know if I'm, um, I don't know if I was successful. I'll try again in a second. I'm doing great. Look, I, I, my favorite pair of glasses. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's great. I'm so glad for 2021. I know that our problems don't magically disappear or anything like that, but I always like the new year, how it gives that feeling of starting fresh. Like, oh my goodness, we made it through this year. So most of us did. I mean, if you're watching, you did. Um, a, a lot of people didn't. So that's not anything to take for granted. And, yeah. you know, um, there's some hope that's coming with this year. We have a vaccine and um, just, you know, praying that things, you know, you know, I don't want to say new normal. Everybody hates that word new normal, but listen, life has changed for us. You know, it's not going to go back to what it was, but there is hope that it will start to get a better, you know, we can travel again for crying out loud. See people. I actually just, just realized it's been 366 days since I've last been on a plane. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like over <laughs> a year. Okay. Wow. I, I was flying back from Vegas just yesterday, a year Vegas. ago. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I was just talking about this in my intro. I mean, look, it was a crazy year with the pandemic and and uh, race and the the uh, election and politics. And I'm like, look, whether you know you were impacted by this pandemic on a personal level, whether you had it or you lost a family member or your job was impacted or if you lost your job um, or you know if your preferred politician won or not, you know, forget forget all. Of that. Well, I don't want to say forget, but. You know, I, it is important that we reflect on my that, preferred but, politician won. Well, there you go. Che- cheers to that. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my thing is, you know, make sure you find ways to be better because, 
you know, everyone always says, oh, a new year, new me on Facebook. And then, you know, how, how long does that last? Uh, definitely did not last well last year. But, um, you know, I think it's important to find ways to improve, um, not just individually, but, you know, as a whole, because, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. I, that's one of my favorite quotes. Teamwork makes, <laughs> makes the dreams work. But, uh, you know, I think we have to find ways collectively to move on and find ways to be better, because I think, you know, I discussed this last segment. Um, yeah, I, I know you weren't part of it, but I was talking about how, you know, we debated uh, uh, a pandemic and uh, race. Like, why are we debating things, these things? Why are we debating things? And people say, oh, you know, this is too political. Why are we making them political? Yeah, exactly. Why are they political? They're like fucking human issues. I agree. Let's drink to that one. Yeah. Um, no, cheers to that. Yes, for sure. What are you drinking, by the way? I am drinking my Irish whiskey. My friend Amanda got me this beautiful. It keeps everything cold. Is, is that, are you drinking uh, proper 12 Irish whiskey? No, um, it's Jameson. Okay, Jameson. For a second, I couldn't remember. I'm like, gosh dang it, I just turned 40. It's like, you, it's you know worse. what uh, pr- uh, proper 12 is, right? Yes. Okay. It's Conor McGregor, my <laughs> Irish whiskey. I'm coming back to Foyt in January. <laughs> I, don't I like Jameson. A... Like, I just like it. It's cheap. It's not too expensive. Why would you drink a Jameson? I will knock you out in an octagon. That's <laughs> a terrible impression. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, I hope people find ways to be better uh, in 2021 because a lot of stupid shit happened. Uh, I mean, people were just wanting to kill each other for whatever reason possible. Like if, if you like the color green and I like the color blue, well then you and I aren't friends anymore. You know, that's just the way shit works, I guess. So, you know, hopefully we can be better about this kind of thing. Cause look, I mean, you've always got, you know, young people looking up to you and you know, I think just some of the things that people say, and I agree. I mean, I think sometimes we do live in a PC environment where, you know, some, some comments just get taken way out of con- uh, context, but then there are some things that people say that are absolutely unacceptable. And, you know, the, the way people argue and, and debate over the silliest things, it's just, you know, younger people are, are watching all of this. You know, everyone's on the internet now, you know, five-year-olds, yeah. six-year-olds know how to operate true. You know, a laptop or a phone. They can see all this. So, you know, we got to be better examples. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about all of that here and there, but first let's talk, let's talk about your book, which by the way, Thank you for this. It is signed, by the way. Uh, so I appreciate that. And uh, this is kind of a, a unique book because I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I will at, at some what? point. It's I, I've had a crazy two weeks. Trust me. But it takes like 15 minutes. I, I know it takes 15 minutes. I don't doubt that. I have not watched. Take it to the bathroom. Single... What do you do in the bathroom? Just, you know, while you're going, you know, read it. In the bathroom. <laughs> well, how, can, how can people get the book, Melody? Oh, they can go to Amazon. It's bit.ly, uh, bit.ly slash I'm sorry, story all in low caps. You can, you can buy it off of barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, and a couple of other like, um, oh, at edgymatchpublishing.com. But I would go to Amazon because it's always like reduced priced on Amazon. If you want to buy it directly from me, just send me an, uh, a direct message. If you want a signed copy, I'm doing those. But yeah, like it's, it's coming up on a year. This came right out like literally a month before everything shut down. I had so many good plans of travel and wonderful things to share. And, you know, um, but I've got to read the story virtually to students, of course, all across the United States, um, in Canada, in Ghana, and um, wow. Germany. Yeah, so. You're hitting yes. all the continents almost. 
I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I, it's not like a bestseller or anything, but the kids like it. Like young people like it. I've read it to first grade, probably kindergarten actually, all the way up to eighth graders. This last spring, um, a middle school teacher had me come back because she had like a whole group of serious uh, middle schoolers that wanted to learn how to write better and wanted my feedback. And so we had this whole session on that. It was so amazing. And they appreciated my book. Like, I think it was in Nebraska. That's where this group was. And it was an all white class, but they were like, they really appreciated that my illustrations didn't show like only white kids. And, um, you know, they, and I thought, wow, they have some really good teachers because I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in St. Joe Mo. And, uh, I, when I was in elementary school, I think we had like two black kids in our school. I'm friends with them. Um, but like, I can't imagine, uh, being those kids, but I couldn't imagine, you know, like you just, you get into your bubble and you don't really think it matters because it's not yeah. a part of your daily life. And that was one of the things I wanted to, to do with my illustrations. And so I, I never taught, well, I did actually, I, most of my years of teaching were at a school that was very diverse, beautiful, so beautiful. And my illustrator, my friend, Rihanna Longoria, she, um, illustrated kind of like was inspired by our students. And so, you know, uh, I just love them. And it's her first book that she's illustrated. I will say that the print in it is, this is a dyslexia font. This works better for a lot of people with dyslexia. Okay. And I think what you were alluding to earlier when you were saying it's not about being PC, it's just about being inclusive. And I know that people are like, oh my God, I can't be you know PC all the time. Or it's the thing about, we know better. We have excluded people for so long and now we have an opportunity to be more inclusive. And that was really important to me when I wrote this book and uh, also my publisher, Edumatch Publishing, very important to them. And so I try to be as inclusive as I can. And even when we talk now, that's something, it's not about being politically correct. It's about being humane and inclusive. So that's awesome. Glad you said something. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I because I'm still kind of learning how the whole, by the way, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but where can people buy this again? Um, they can buy it at Amazon, okay. um, Barnes and Noble, edumatchpublishing.com. Yeah. Bitly slash I'm sorry story. So uh, one of the things, and I completely lost my train of thought. Don't you just love when that happens? Especially when all you're the time. doing a live happens podcast. All the <laughs> happens all the time. Um, but no, what I was going to say is, uh, one unique thing, and I haven't, like I said, I, I've, I've not read a book this short before, so it'll give me a good excuse to, to start doing that. But I was skimming through, and I did notice something unique that I don't think I ever saw this in a uh, kid's book. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read a book this short before, but you've got like discussion questions and follow-up activities at the end of this book. I have yes! not seen, I, I, don't, I never saw that when I was reading books at a, at a young age. Do a lot of books have that nowadays or is this something you came up with? Well, it was just an original idea, but actually because Edgy Match Publishing is uh, like a publishing company for educators, you know, I, I saw a, a lot of us do it. Like my friend, Jeff, um, he did One Drop of Kindness and in the back of his book, he also has um, discussion questions and he has a couple of activities. And I thought that was so great. Like he's got a whole list of things. And, um, and we, of course, I didn't even know him very well when I got this book and, um, but we're teachers and that's what we do. We're educators. And my friend that, that wrote this book, she is a counselor and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She's just, there's just so many different activities. And so all of us that go with EduMatch, we usually have like a, you know, activities that go with our book for children because we're teachers, we're educators. And um, I hope that my questions and my activities, I hope that it helps parents and teachers or even young people think about 
like the, the message of the story. And I wrote this when I was teaching fifth grade, like 11, 12 years ago, I didn't even have any kids yet. So of my own personal children. And of course I've revised it over the years, but I wrote it to help my students understand why it was so important to tell people you're sorry, take ownership. Like literally don't say if I offended you or if I bothered you, like I freaking bothered you. I did this and I'm very sorry. And then, you know, kids don't like to be lectured and yelled at all the time. So it was just a very easy way to help them understand that this is an important life message. And then it was a conversation that we always went back to. And in the, in the discussion questions, Let's say that a young person is reading this. They don't have to have a teacher or a, a parent. I mean, have you ever felt like Ryan, the main character? What kind of advice would you give to Ryan or someone in your class about apologizing? Do you always have to forgive someone? Can you only forgive someone after they've apologized? Like these are questions that we should really think about because it's not like we grow up and we don't have these sort of uh, issues anymore. Like we're always going to be dealing with forgiveness and I think especially when people have never thought about this and they grow up into adults and they, they don't know how to take ownership. And listen, you and I live in the real world. We know that there are adults walking around that never take ownership for anything. They're victims. They blame everybody yep. for all their problems. I don't want my students, I don't want my children to grow up and be those people. We've all been hurt by those assholes, right? I don't want my kids to grow up and be assholes, period. Yeah. There you go. Look <laughs> at you laying down the law. <laughs> um. You mentioned your uh, background in teaching a little bit. I know we talked about this the last time you were on the podcast, but mm -hmm. I've got to ask, you know, because uh, I think when you came on, it might have been in September, August, somewhere. I want to say September. I feel like but, it was October. Or maybe October. Okay. Uh, that's how long 2020 has been. Um, so even though we're in 2021, but I, I did want to ask you, you know, now that we're a semester into this pandemic, I, and I'm not including March through May uh, or June. I know every school district opens and closes at different times, but how do you think school districts handed, handled, excuse me, this, um, this whole year? You know, I think that there are districts that did very well. I think that there are districts that tried their very best. I don't want to blame anybody for doing what they thought was right. I just, here where we are, they had remote learning the entire semester and they kept wanting to go back, but our numbers, even here in Anchorage just keep going up. So I'm not sure yeah. I haven't really been paying attention because I'm homeschooling my five kids because there was no way that I could be teaching kids remotely and have five kids. Like, you know, I just, you know, praise God that I have other ways of having income coming in because I was just not willing to do that. Um, so I am teaching my own kids right now. And I, and I work with so many educators and, you know, it varies. There are educators who feel very protected by their school districts. And they feel like their voices are heard, but I think more often than not, unfortunately, most educators are feeling like they don't matter. Like they're just going to be put up they have to do their job. You know, a lot of people don't have choices like I do. I have to have a privilege that I was able to take another year off and um, homeschool my kids. And, you know, I know that there's been a lot of people who just couldn't do it. They've retired earlier than they thought they would, or they've just quit. Um, the technology has been really hard. I will say that for all the educators I know, they've been doing an amazing job of teaching with the technology. They, a lot of educators have to do both. They're teaching kids in the classroom physically, face-to-face, -face, and they're teaching kids at the same time on freaking Zoom. And I think that's ridiculous, but they've mastered it. Like, it's freaking crazy. Yeah. You know, teachers are amazing people. You know, I mean, seriously, I, I just I can't even imagine having that kind of responsibility. Um, but 
but they're doing it. Educators are amazing. I do think that educators are taking advantage of, uh, they have a hard time, especially if they're working at home, their hours have just been incredibly long because you just, there's just so much to do to, to prep. And even if you're not a first year teacher, <laughs> how do you prepare for this? You know, there's yeah. a lot of teachers that this new year means that they're going remote because of the numbers right now. So a lot of people are going to yeah. be starting off the new year in remote. I was just, I'm lucky enough to have so many educators in my life that are amazing. And I will tell you though, the babysitter that comes over every week. So my husband and I can get the heck out of here for a while. She is a sophomore. So think about this. Her, a big chunk of her freshman year was remote. She said she has not been contacted by a single one of her teachers, except through a remind. Like they have never called her. They have never reached out. And I think that is crap. Like to that, I am not happy about if I were her mom. And she said, this young person said to me, she called the school for the first 40 days. She had no idea how to get um, into her classes. You know, she wasn't able to meet with her teachers on zoom. There was just so much confusion and they never called her back. Like I am pissed off about that. Sophomore in high school or college. She's a sophomore in freaking high school. And she's like, she's so upset. She's like, I don't know how I'm going to graduate on time. And that makes me pissed. Yeah. I, do you feel like kids are getting the proper education through online learning? Who knows? I mean, it's a freaking pandemic. Who cares as long as they're alive and safe? I mean, they're not going to get the same education that they did when it was face to face. I mean, the world is changing. I just, the proper, what does proper even mean? I love, my friend Erin wrote this blog post and she's talked about how, like, there are some challenges that we can't meet the needs to, like, through a zoom. So don't worry about those. Do what you can think about all the things that your students are learning. You're learning new, a new skill set. It's unfortunate that a lot of the standards and, and you'll see some of the States are like, we're going to be doing these standardized tests. It's like, we're in a pandemic. Who the F cares? You know, it's so arbitrary when you put it in the light of real life and the context of real life. Some of this stuff is so arbitrary. It's ridiculous. Did you, uh, I, I know I sent you the link, but did you have a chance to listen to any of my, um, podcast with um jason brown the head yes coach from, the one okay. that cusses yes <laughs> yes um for those I liked who, him. jason brown you're jason, awesome jason brown's awesome i love the guy i i was really nervous talking to him but then when i, I tell did, when i did start talking to him i i'm like it's, it's like i knew the guy the, the guy was so cool for those who don't know um there's a really great show on netflix called last chance you um, so it's basically about these community college athletes or specifically football players who are in a small town with not nothing to do really, but, you know, practice, play football, and then go to their dorms and play video games, you know, whatever they're doing, uh, when they're not studying or, um, doing football related activities. And, you know, some of these kids, you know, they do have a, a tough, a, a rough background. Uh, one of the quarterbacks, um, uh, he transferred from Florida state was a, was a great football player, but got into mm-hmm. some trouble and he had to go to community college. So basically seasons one and two were done in East Mississippi community college. I can't remember what city seasons three and four were done in independence, Kansas. And, you know, being a Kansas resident, that was obviously very appealing. And some of the things they talked about, um, you know, you can actually relate to, have you seen that show yet, by the way? I did. I watched it. Okay. Oh, you did? Okay. So Jason Brown I is did. on I was season like, why, why? You told him I was like a former educator. I'm freaking teaching. I'm still uh, an educator. I, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on that one. But 
Um, Jason was on seasons three and four. He did have a controversial exit. The way they portrayed his exit isn't as accurate as it came off, but I'll avoid that. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to get to is I, I think one of that was one of my favorite podcasts because I was going to talk to Jason about the show and sports. You know, he's a, right. he's a huge sports fan, but you know, that conversation took a huge unexpected turn and we spent a lot of time talking about education. Yes. And I don't know if you remember this because after I had him on the podcast, I actually wanted to go back and listen to the podcast and he's telling his uh, players, he goes, look, I did, I could not tell you what an atom is. You know, he went yeah. to high school, college. <laughs> he had like, like all these like advanced degrees. I, know. I mean, he had all these did degrees you, right behind him. Did you see what he asked me? He goes, he goes, do you see these degrees behind me? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I should wipe my ass with them. I'm like, <laughs> right, right. I all right. Because um, he said, he, and he, I guess he said this on the show, but I don't remember this, but he thinks degrees are the most worthless pieces of paper on earth. W- what is your reaction when you hear that? I understand where he's coming from. Um, I don't think that they're worthless. I have friends and I have a lot of African-American friends who would totally tell you that they are seen and they are taken seriously because of their doctorates and their masters. So for a lot of people, it's, it's not, you know, toilet paper to them because, and they would tell you how hard they worked for it. And, and so I think that, you know, if you can use them and it helps advance you in whatever you're doing, then it's not worthless. But at the same time, you're going to see a lot of people that will rise up that will get great opportunities be- because of who they are, how they look, the color of their skin. Like it, it's, I don't know. I guess it's the context again. Well, I was just going to say, I think it does depend on, and Jason mentioned this on the, on the podcast when he was on with me, he said, look, if this is like a very, for a very specific job, like, you know, if you're wanting mm-hmm. to become a doctor, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a degree is certainly necessary, me, for instance, my journalism degree, uh, even though people think I'm a journalist now, which I'm not. Um, kind of are. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but kind of um, uh, po- contrary to popular belief, I'm not a journalist. Pretty, you kind of are. Like, not if really. I want to know what's going I on with Chiefs, I don't turn into your stuff. I'm like, I'm not, yeah. Well, anyway, if, if there's a report from anyone, I always source it. But, you know, I mean, look, my journalism degree, it is it is worthless. Uh, I mean, it's, it's as good as the toilet paper that people were going after. Let me just put it this way. And I'm not blaming, you know, Some expensive the, freaking toilet paper. Yeah, very expensive. Yes. Um, and I'm not blaming the university of Kansas where I went. William uh, Allen white school of journalism. I'm sure I butchered that. I don't remember the exact name, which is embarrassing, but shows you how much I learned, <laughs> but here's my point. You know, I'm not blaming where I went to school and all, but I'd say, you know, I, and I keep in touch with them on social media. I'd say 95% of my journalism classmates are not in journalism right now. Um, I mean, they're in accounting there is some of them might be working multiple part-time jobs. Um, I was in it for a while. I liked it. Um, I dated someone who, you know, we met at KU and she was in TV for a while and then she got out of it because she didn't like it. There are a lot of people who dating her. No, God, no, thank God. But sorry for another time. Um, yeah, we don't need to get into you that. Single ladies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not looking to date now. But what I will say is a lot of people were in that bubble where they wanted to get in journalism. They were excited to get in. And once they got in, they didn't really, I guess, didn't live up to their expectations. That was kind of the case for me. And quite honestly, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. They're like, what's your advice for you know journalism? Because I want to do, I want to you know, work on talk radio one day, 
I go, look, Mm -hmm. you are better off starting a podcast. And if you can do a good job with it and get it sponsored and work another job, you'll probably make more money that way. Cause this, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but I guess this now is a good time to mention. So I used to work for 610 sports radio where they air all the Royals games. And Mm -hmm. I remember I was training someone. He was, I was 23 at the time. He was 26. Um, and he was not working a job. Uh, he had not had a job in a while. His wife was making all the money. So I'm training him on the board and the guy is not learning anything. He, he was showing up late. And by the way, this is like Saturday. He had to be in the studios, you know, preferably a couple minutes early, but he had to start at seven o'clock Saturday mornings and he would show up 15 minutes late. And he goes, dude, I'm sorry. There was traffic. And in my head, I'm like, there's no traffic in Kansas city on a Saturday morning. Bull fucking shit. So this guy who would not pick up, you know, anything, he could not learn a, a, a basic controls on an audio board. And I, I asked him at some point, I, I just got curious. The more I was trying to train this guy, I go, so why do you want to work in radio? You know, what's your story? He goes, well, I want to pay off my wife's ring. I go, dude, I'm making $9 an hour here. I hope you've got other <laughs> income coming in. Cause I've got three other jobs. I'm working nine bucks ain't enough. So, you know, unless you got a really cheap ring, good luck with that. (laughs) That's such a ridiculous story. The guy was not (laughs) learning anything. It's like, look, when we save audio, so I'm I'm sure every radio station does it similarly, maybe a little different, but you have to, you know, you know, type, you know, the date and then underscore the hour uh, underscore all these things. We have very specific ways how we save files. And the guy was not writing it. Me personally, I can't remember shit. So I always write down things. And when I was, I mean, the guy was always showing up late, wasn't writing down anything. And, you know, again, in radio, we have a very specific, uh, we're, we're, it's very strict on, on time. So I told the guy, I said, look, we have a clock up there at, you know, at 7.53 and exactly at the 30 second mark, you got to press the button to fire the outro and then the commercials. So 7.53.30, and I'm just, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, the, the clock is there, and we hit the 30-second mark. The guy is just looking around, like, he's not hitting the button, and I wait five seconds, which is a horrible thing to do in radio. I wait another five seconds, and I'm breaking all the rules at this point. I go, dude, you're 10 seconds behind. You got to press the button. So, look, from, now I ended up leaving 6.10 for a job with the Royals, but... Uh, to my understanding, the guy did not last very long there. I mean, right. look, I, I wish him the best because, you know, I, I, I'm not Maybe married. Maybe he has like brain injury or something. I, it's funny. How I was would talking, we know? I, I, I don't know. I, I prefer not to speculate on that. But <laughs> look, it's just, I've worked in, in media and I'm embarrassed to say just there are a lot of lazy asses in media. There really are. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of lazy asses everywhere. Like, well, that's true. That's here's true. the thing. A degree is not going to make you any more or less lazy. I mean, there are people getting degrees that like passed with the lowest, like maybe they have D's and, you know, I don't know about F's, but, you know, graduate, like, look at this. A doctors, there are doctors that graduated at the, at the, in the they're the last to graduate in their class. Okay. Yeah. They didn't graduate first. Those people are still getting degrees. I mean, to that extent, a degree can be worthless. It doesn't make you a better person. You make you a better person. Your degree doesn't make you a better person. Your degree gets you some door openings is what it does. But if you're a shit person, that degree isn't going to 
cover that up. Okay. Okay. I got a question for you because sure. you brought this up. Do you think grades matter? Because why are you laughing? I love it. That's such a great question. Oh here's, my here's why I asked this because I was not, you know, I'm in one of the things I wish I did differently. I wish I did take academics more seriously and try to have a higher GPA. I graduated high school with a 2.8. I graduated college with a 3.0. Okay. So bad. I, I've, I've seen people with a 4.0 GPA. I'm talking journalism students. I can't talk for other people. Um, I was a 4.0. That's awesome. There you go. Honors. Nice. Anything else you want to brag about while we're here? I graduated at the top of my high school class. I graduated at the top of my college class. All right. Melanie (laughs) McAllister, thanks for joining us. Take care. Have a good night. No. No, um, okay. That's good. It's good to say this though. Let me give you some context because to me, growing up, grades were very important to me. Not because my parents put it into me. They did not. My, I was one of like, I had like, you know, there were, I was one of five, you know, and I was probably, I probably had the best grades. Like I never got grounded because of my grades. Nobody told me to do my homework. I always did because I had this internal drive and plot, I was a middle child. So I was really largely not seen in a lot of ways. So making good grades was a way for me to be recognized, but also I loved school. Like I was seen at school. So I, I had a great public education. I cared about grades. Now, I graduated at the top, blah, 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 blah. That was not even my aim. I, I wasn't trying to graduate at the top. I was just always trying to make the best of everything I could do, honestly. That was that was who I was. That's who I still am. Um, saying all of that, our grade system sucks. It doesn't work for everybody. I had everything I needed for the most part. There are so many students in our country, uh, you know, that don't have everything that they need. Uh, they don't have parents at home or they're just, they don't find education relevant. There, there has to be a way of grading that doesn't exclude kids and the environment that they're growing up in. Um, and we talk a lot about the hundred point scale and like, do you take points off if they don't write their name on it? I was an elementary teacher. So do you take five points off? I did that for years. How was that kind of grading helping my students? It's not. Uh, there's so many teachers that are like zeros. And like, if, if a student turns in late work, they're like, who cares? Turn it in on time or it's a zero. And they make, you know, their students have like a 23% in their class. Like, are you freaking kidding me? They've showed up every single day to class and they have a 23%. How can they ever recover from that? You know, um, our, the, the grade point scale, like a hundred point grades, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, you know, and there, there has to be something that's better that, that I think that our school system in so many ways is so arbitrary. We're still doing things. We're still doing things that they did 200 years ago. There are some things that need to change because we are not the same country that we were 200 years ago. And we need to be better. We need to think about who's in front of us right now. What does life look like? And even the grade point scale, how can we change that to meet the needs of our students? Are we giving them time? Um, are we are we using the grade um, to penalize students or are we letting it reflect what they really know? Because there's a big difference in that, you know? If we want grades to say, hey, this kid um, is, is, you know, they're, they're above average, does their grades show that? Or are they just like turning in late things and they're barely passing? You know, I mean, does that make any sense to you? No, it does. You know, I, you know when I was in high school, I've, I've had people, you know, different policies, you know, some would accept light work, full credit, some wouldn't. Um, you know, what's interesting is... <laughs> Um, I just remembered this. I remember uh, in one of my journalism courses, uh, 
I don't remember exactly what the activity was. It was a homework assignment and we all got our grades back and it was, um, there, I mean, there were multiple people grading things. I mean, we were meeting in, uh, different groups and then we'd break out into, right. uh, different groups. Uh, mm-hmm. so I remember my teacher was handing this back, our grades back for our homework assignment and he hands something to me. He goes, I did not grade this. I just want you to know. And I see I got a zero out of five on this. I'm like, what? And I look, I share this with, you know, the people sitting next to me. I go, you know, can I compare my answers to yours? I wrote the same goddamn answers. And these people got like five out of five. I got like a zero out of five. I don't know if this person hated me or what, but you know, I, I, I showed these people and everyone was like, you need to talk to whoever graded this and fix that. And I'm like, I, I will. And they're not going to, they're going to fix it. They don't have a choice. So, you know, it's just things like that. Like, I don't know if teachers get lazy to the point where, oh, they're grading too many papers. They're just lazy. Or I don't know if they're, they were drunk when they did this. I don't know, but you know, I, I'm not kidding. It's a serious thought, but you know, it's like, how is it that, you know, sometimes you have this in education. I don't know. I, I'm okay. ranting at this point. <laughs> that that's shitty that that happened to you. And I hope that it got changed. Yo, I, I, I remember, it got changed. Yeah, trust me. I, I had a, I had a talking to, to one of my professors in college in a math class. And I'm like, I stayed at, I had an 89 and I'm like, dude, like you said that you would give partial credit if we showed our work. And I'm like, I'm not leaving this class until you change it to a 90 is what I said. And I didn't, he changed it to a 90. I didn't leave until he changed it to a 90. Look at you. And then I, I was doing this at a, this was a small town. And I remember I saw him at Walmart and I was with my cart and I was like, Hey doctor. And he just got, and he went the opposite way. Like, he's like, I'm True story. She was going to complain story. about that 89%. I'm like, I told him I'm not leaving this class until you change this to a 90. And I was very firm with that. But anyway, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that teachers are lazy. I, I love educators. And I think for the most part, educators are amazing. They are hardworking. I think that the system really puts a lot of stuff like I think a good teacher is always going to say like, oh, this student has a 50. Well, this student is doing this, this, and this. This student should not be failing my class. And they're going to do something about that. Um, They're not going to let like a number define a student. I think really good teachers understand that and they, you know, they work it differently. Okay. I think people that are just doing it as a job and they're not really worried about the relationships or the labels that impact students, they probably aren't going to be as worried about that, to be honest with you. Um, I think that college classes, and I think that a lot of professors, I think they abuse students. And and I've heard other educators talk about this because they're like, well, this is my class. This is how I do it. I don't really care, you know, and they've got away with that for so long because it's college and you're supposed to meet all these standards. Well, that person is a shitty teacher, you know, if they don't care about the relationship with the student and they don't care about how something impacts their students. I wonder what the hell they're in this business for anyway. Well, okay? unfortunately, is it because of their own ego? Is it their ego? Or are they really trying to make a difference in this world? I think there are a lot of professors like that. Well, I don't know if I should say a lot, maybe more than we should. It, it, there are too many of those. Um, I, I don't know if you, you know who Scott Parks is. He's a local radio host in Kansas City. My mom, <clears throat> excuse me, listens to his show with Dana White, uh, Dana Wright, excuse me, Dana White's the president of the UFC. 
But um, he he made a very interesting comment once where he was just kind of taking a jab at professors because they think they know everything because they're the professor, you know. <laughs> they, they they've got you know all the right answers. They they they're the know it alls, uh, whereas you know yeah. no one else does. Um, you know what's interesting? You made a very interesting comment. Um, I remember I had a high school history teacher, super nice guy. He was one of the assistant coaches for the basketball team. And uh, he was sharing a story on the first day of school about how, you know, some of his colleagues were not necessarily bragging, but it seemed like they were proud of the fact right. that they handed out three or four F's and right. he responds and goes, I handed out zero. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you need more of those educators. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. And I think that, and I've seen that I have literally had classes in high school and college where I just regurgitated exactly what they told us to. And I got an A on a paper. You know what I mean? Like I knew them, like I'm a people person and I watch, like I sit at the front of the class. Like, I want to know what does this professor expect from me? Like, and that's what I'm going to do to get my grade. I just learned that very early on. Um, It's, it's the people who brag about giving F's, giving zeros. Those are the people who are in it for their egos. And I mean, the people that like the other professor that you were saying that is like, thinking about, Hey, these kids are paying thousands of dollars to attend this school. Like, to be fair, that was a GTA now that I remember that. So maybe she was just a terrible GTA. I don't know. What, what makes her terrible because she doesn't want to hand out a zero. I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be cruel about people because I think that education is amazing. And I want to believe that there are mostly wonderful people in our business, you know, whether, whatever level, I do think that there are people in it for their ego. And that is what you see when you see people bragging about failing people. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be one of those people. I don't want to, I don't want to fail anybody. That's good. And I don't want to, I don't want to take anybody by surprise. I don't want my student coming in um, or their parents coming up to me at the end of a semester saying, um, Oh my God, I didn't know I was failing. Like, there's communication. There's things called using a telephone, you know, um, an email and just reaching out to people to help for, so that doesn't happen and giving people chances. Um, I mean, it's not as easy as all that, but if it's a part of how you operate, you're going to find a way to help your kids succeed. In um, in the show, last chance you did, you, do you remember the quarterback who was failing art class? I, I don't tell me. Okay. So his name is Malik Henry. I don't know what he's up to nowadays, but um he was basically not showing up to art. And then Jason Brown on the show, because uh, because he had this kind of a cool rule where if you're failing, they make you wear pink jerseys during practice. And which I think is funny, but uh, the failing part's not funny, but the pink jersey is. Um, and then there was the, the quarterback of the team of all people. He was not showing up to class and therefore he had an F in art. And the T and the crap. And, well, Jason Brown's calling him out in uh, one of the football meetings and goes, Art, you fucking kidding me? And I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He goes, draw a fucking picture. I'm sure you'll you'll pass the class. It's like, <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought that was funny. Um, and it, it's like, you know, things like that. So my question is this, like if you were maybe not a football coach, but if you were in, in, like a like a tutor for athletes in a situation like that and they're failing, you know, a class like art or PE or whatever, like. How do you approach that student? Like, what's the first step in trying to fix that? Well, I'm glad you said that because 
we, we oftentimes put too much responsibility on the teachers or professors when, when there's a whole other person that's involved. And I have been guilty of working harder for my students' grades than my students at times. So I'm one of those teachers that has done that. Now, when you're in college and you're failing art, I mean, come on, that's all on you. If you're not showing up for class, that's not a teacher problem at all. That is a, that's a student problem. And I, I remember even in high school, um, you know, having friends that were failing PE. I loved PE because I loved playing games and stuff, you know, uh, and I love sports, but like, because they wouldn't dress out. So if I were helping somebody with that, I guess I would just say, I would talk with them. If I were their teacher, I, I would say, look, you've got all this on the line. Do you really want this to fail you? Do you want this to be a part of your story? Why are you allowing yourself to fail here? And what is your long-term goal? Because if this is gonna keep you from having that goal met, then let's talk about, you might not think this is important, but it is important. Or does that person have an ego problem? They're just like, you know, who the F cares about art? I mean, why did they take that class in the first place? Those kind of things I think are more um, of, a, of a personal nature. I don't know, do, because here's the thing. If you think something's really too hard and you're not prepared for it, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, you can get that class dropped. You don't have to wait until you're failing. Like if you already know it's not something that you can do or it's not something that's interesting to you, drop that class and take another class. Don't get yourself to that. So I, I like the pink jersey idea because I do think at some point there has to be accountability also with the individual student. And I don't wanna act like art is like, who cares about art? Because there's a lot of people that do love art and art is a big part of our culture. So you should care about it. And if you took it, freaking show up. I always chuckle when I hear the word dropped classes because I remember uh, when I was at Johnson County Community College, I was just sitting you know, out in the hallway waiting for my class. I was there early. And all of a sudden I see the student in the middle of her class step out um, and she had her backpack, everything she's, she's leaving. And she, she's on the phone, I'm guessing with her mom, dad, I don't know who. And she's talking about how she's going to drop the class because she's not doing well in it. She just got a paperback with a bad grade. She goes, yeah, I'm going to drop the class. And she's walking by. And I'm thinking in my head, the drop deadline is, is well past. It's like, it's true. You have to do it in a very timely manner. <laughs> yes. I remember. I, I, don't, I don't think students know that sometimes. I think they just think you can drop whenever. I don't think they know there's a deadline. Yeah. And I think too, that like, that's kind of like a guidance thing. I know that when I, I went to Missouri Western for my freshman and half of my sophomore year and my um, counselor, what do you call them in college? What are they called? Yeah. Counselors. I think no, I, I academic advisors. Yeah. Advisors, advisors. Okay. Yeah. I had a really cool advisor. Like it was a big school, you know, and, um, she helped me take some classes. She even, I took some classes that weren't even freshman level. And she was like, I don't think you want to take these classes. And I'm like, no, I want to take these classes. You know, <laughs> she's like, well, usually seniors take this class. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a teacher. So do I have to take this class at some point? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then just let me take it. And I'm glad I did because they were good classes and I liked them. Um, but I think that good advisors can help you. Um, I, I loved my advisors there. And um, in high school, I had amazing um, guidance counselors. Uh, that's a, And I don't know, my parents weren't super involved in any time that I took classes. I always made my own schedules. And I, you know, so that was a personal thing. And here's the thing. If you have 
you've got different kinds of students and you've got like students that their parents are like controlling everything behind the scenes. And you've got students that are very independent. They're going to school because it's on their dime. It's their choice and they're making it happen for themselves. And they're, you know, they're taking it a little bit more seriously and they understand the ramifications, like what it means if they fail and the money wasted on that. So I think that says a lot about students too. Uh, in higher education. I'm, I'm just monitoring some of the comments here. Lisa commenting and says, I was surprised my son's online school bumped their grade to 100 if they got a 50 or better. But I think that was a little much, maybe a 70 LOL participation trophy. Yeah, that does seem like quite a, <laughs> I don't know. Was was there extra credit done? <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, Well, you know, I've seen, I've, I've read some articles that a lot of districts are saying like, we're not failing anybody right now. They just refuse to fail anybody right now because there's a lot of things they can't control they can't yeah i mean there's just there's so many things there's so many what am i thinking um god what is that word there's just so much out of their control and they're, they're not going to try to penalize students for things that they too cannot control hold on i have a question for you have you seen sure. this report and i want to say it was in massachusetts i can't remember but it was like um you know, students are going to, you know, suffer consequences if they're wearing, you know, sweatpants or pajamas during like their Zoom class. <laughs> I just saw you roll your eyes. I mean, that was huge at the very beginning of the year. Like cameras must be on. That was a huge debate at the very beginning of the school year, um, forcing kids to have their cameras on. That was huge. And teachers that have been teaching online for years are like, that does not make a difference like a big difference. There's a lot, there was like, you can't be in your bedroom, you know, and be in your zoom class. It's like, here's my thing. How the fuck can you control what kids are doing in their own homes? Well, look, you know? I, I get Don't the whole thing. That. You're I get in the their whole thing. home. I get the whole thing. Like, I think there is an emphasis and there should be to make sure kids are focusing. Cause look, I could easily be playing, I don't know, call of duty or, you know, just surfing Facebook or Twitter while, you know, Mrs. Smith is teaching math class. And you could you know? be doing all of that in face-to-face -face class too. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Well, I, I think it's a lot easier to stop that face-to-face. -face, whereas on Zoom, it's like, maybe you can tell depending like, like if someone's like really focused on their game, I think maybe you can tell with their eyes or whatnot. But um, I get, I get trying to control that, but I feel like there's also some ridiculous rules that are being put in place. I don't know. That's just me. There's always been our education system. Look, look, I've been closer. I'm getting real serious now. Um, our education system it's on has now. so much control. Like we're always trying to control everybody. And now it's like, listen, you're a guest in these people's houses. Stop trying to tell them. Like I remember somebody put on Twitter, um, should I tell my kindergartners that or that they have to eat their breakfast before they get on Zoom, that they can't eat while they're in Zoom class with me? And I'm thinking, okay, number one, it's early in the morning. Good luck telling that kid they can't eat. Good luck. And she's like, well, I teach reading and I need them to be able to open their mouths and stuff. And I'm just thinking, like, if... And she's like, and I'm stuck in this. Like there, I guess there was something out of her control. She had to stick to the schedule. And that's where I think it's all bullshit. Like, do you really have to stick to the schedule? What's best for your students? Always start there. What is best for your students and go there. Don't try to boss people around in their own homes. Remember that you're a guest. If you want parent support, and I believe that you have to have parent support, especially with young people, if you really want growth to happen, then how are you... What, what, how is what you're doing inviting that? Because if you're trying to lay down the law, whether it's face-to-face -face or um, remote, 
like that's all about compliance. That's not about learning or growing. And there's too much compliance issues happening in our school system. And um, I know because, you know, I taught forever and I had to get out of that compliance type of teaching myself. I've, I've been there. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, so. I'm laughing because uh, Brett commented, you've seen the, um, the sports page, Savage Sports Memes, right? I don't think so. Okay. Well, if you haven't, check it out. Um, there's a guy uh, named Brett. He's a big Chiefs fan uh, in Texas. Hi, Brett. Uh, and he, he's watching. Hey, Brad. Yeah, he's watching right now. He just commented. I'll read his comment in a minute, but he makes some really great posts. He always like comments with like the weirdest photoshopped uh, uh, just anything related to whatever I'm talking about uh, in the comment section. But anyway, uh, Brett commented and goes, that's stupid. The article about the sweatpants. I already know both of you are wearing only your underwear right now, like everybody I'm, else on podcast. I have, and Zoom. I, I, Brad, have I, have on. I have sweatpants on. I have sweatpants on. I have jeans on. I have, I have flip-flops on, though. Uh, do do students get penalized if they wear flip-flops in their Zoom classes that you know of? Yeah, I don't think so. But I will tell you that at school, they would have got penalized. You would have got a call home. Oh, okay. I have a question for you. Because um, Jason Brown talked about this on his podcast. Please, I wouldn't be on with Jason Brown. Jason Brown, I, if you see this, I want I doubt, you to have both of us on. I doubt that. Uh, he has no reason to ever have me on. Um, I don't it's, know what I can offer. It's, it's a Maybe pandemic. You, There's no reason to do you, anything at this point. You, it's just fun. It's, it's a valid point. You, I, I should talk to him and see if you, he'd be willing to go on your podcast. Because I think you guys could talk about a lot of good things. Um, so I'll, I'll do that at some point. I did want to ask, um, because on his podcast, he did talk. He talks a lot about college students and, you know, their behavior and how, you know, if you do have a C, but depending how much, and you've alluded to this already, depending if you're putting the effort, if you're showing the professor that you are putting the effort, they'll bubble in a B for you instead of a C. Heck yeah. Um, one of the things he talked about was, you know, you got to show you're trying. And one of the examples he gave was sitting in the front row and taking right. off your hat. Me personally, like I love hats. What is Who it? The F does take, doesn't take off their hat in school. What? Well, see, I, oh no, every school. I think in college, you know, they can't tell you what to do. Uh, I mean, unless you have like a big cowboy hat or something, I guess they're going to make you take it off so the person behind you can see. But, you know, me, I know in high school that was forbidden. Uh, but personally, I don't get like, why Why can a person not have a hat? It, it, tell me, I, I'm, I'm oblivious to this. Educate me on this. Okay. <laughs> what is the What is the issue with a hat? Cause I love hats. Okay. I know. Right. Like the only thing I can tell you is that I think it's rude to have a hat on inside. And the only reason that I think it's rude is because people told me it was rude to have a hat on inside. I just, like I said, and I have read articles about how our prison system and our school system are like this. There's so much the same. It's all about compliance and control. You've seen it. I've seen it. There's educators out there who are like, they're just always looking for the people that are non-compliant. It's like what drives them every day. Um, and I've been in situations where I'm like making a big deal out of some stupid pitily little thing. And I'm like, why am I so worried about this? It doesn't really matter that much, does it? I have to talk to myself about this because I'm wired to look for compliancy issues. And, um, and so I, I don't know, like, just take your effing hat off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those etiquette rules. Don't you wear your damn hat inside of a place. Show you care. Show you have manners. Honestly, you win. You'll look better for it. You'll have better character, you know, reputation for it. So 
I don't know. Fair enough. All right. Hey, I was going to ask you, because you're in Alaska, uh, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I remember you, yeah, I saw you posted this. It's negative zero degrees, according to yes. the iPhone app in Alaska. Um, I was going to ask, by the way, uh, have you had a chance to catch a lot of a lot of Chiefs games considering you're out of market, way out of market? I know. And I was looking at the game tomorrow and um, it's at like noon my time. And by the way, if anybody on the Chiefs and Royals, look, I'm in Alaska, but I'm always representing other side. Other yeah, the side, other side. I'm always representing my teams, no matter where I am in this country, whether I'm living in Texas or Alaska or Oklahoma, whatever. There um, are no Chiefs players watching this. They have better things to do than watch my podcast. I'm not just talking about players, but I do want to get my book oh, in the okay. hands. Um, my brother, you need to help me get this book in the hands of some Chiefs players and some Kansas City. I love number 15 on both teams. I named my son Wit, okay, because number 15 on the Royals. Like, help me get this into their hands. Anyway. Did you see, before we go on, did you see there's a local uh, sports apparel store? Called, uh, she, I don't know if they have it in other uh, cities and or states, but there's a place here called Shields. And instead of number 15 Whit Merrifield jerseys, they have number 15 Patrick Mahomes Royals jerseys. I saw, and I saw, yes, I saw Whit um, tweet or post somewhere that he's like, wait a minute, what? That's me. Well, <laughs> That's I, I, my it, number. It, it didn't even cross my mind. Like the, the best player on both teams is number 15. So it crossed I never thought about my that. mind. It crossed my mind a lot, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm just like, number 15 is my new favorite number for like two years now. Um, there you go. So I want to be honest with you. Last year, I couldn't not watch this year. And I think it's all about the pandemic because, you know, everything's changed. I I just, I can't go to a bar and watch a game. And um, I just, I don't watch as much, you know, I don't know why, but I'm just not into it as much. Maybe it's because we're kicking ass so hard. Like, what does it even matter? Like, I'm telling you when they go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to be fucking watching that. Okay. Um, And I'm going to take my cereal box. So I'm going to be shaking it like I did last year, whenever they scored a touchdown, but it's been hard to just, um, to really get into sports. I, I, I cried. I am not going to lie. When they canceled the baseball season for like the first three months, I cried. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to survive without watching my players. I am a huge Golden Knights care. fan. I'm a huge Golden Knights fan. And I lost my mind when they canceled hockey. Uh, I mean, they like the Golden Knights started off great when the when the bubble started, and then they like forgot how to shoot. But um, we're not here to discuss that. Um, I prefer we don't discuss that. I was actually going to ask you something because speaking of hockey, because personally, outside of like the United States national team, I did not give a damn about hockey. And then in two thousand, I think part of the reason is because Kansas City doesn't have a pro sports uh, hockey team. They do, but minor league i guess right right the missouri mavericks um in independence but the vegas golden knights got a team and i go oh this is interesting vegas finally has a but sports missouri team does, don't they have like do that they have a team of st Ju- um, louis the blues oh the blues yeah yeah but that's st louis that's not kansas city um right who cares about st louis if you live in kansas city <laughs> no i love st louis i don't know why people in kansas city hate st louis but anyway um but the vegas golden knights you know they announced the, t- the franchise and i thought okay this is kind of interesting and they became like one of the best teams during their inaugural season. So I just got hooked and I started watching and then like right away, I just got, I just started following. I, I, I prefer to follow, like, I can't tell you two players on almost all the other teams. I can tell you the entire roster on the golden Knights, but I don't know anything about like the other teams. I'm trying to get into that because I just started watching a couple of years ago. I'm honestly surprised in this country with how much football is loved. 
that people don't love hockey as much. Like, I think there are a lot of similarities to the sport in terms of physicality. Now, the scoreboard is not that exciting. But here's the thing. Like, did you watch the Chiefs game against the Falcons last week? We won like 17-14. We, the, the kicker missed. If you know, you didn't see it. Okay. So, the uh, it was a pretty boring game. It was a low-scoring game. shaming me on here. That's okay. It's, it's all right. <laughs> um, hey, at least you're not like those Chiefs fans who complain when we win. I follow the one scores. Point. I always follow the scores. I'm like, shit, they're playing and I'm missing it. What is the score? And if they're ahead, I'm like, good. Now, if they're just barely ahead, I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm checking it a little bit more than, you know, but whatever. Well, here's my point. That was a pretty boring game until the last, you know, two minutes and all. But it's like in hockey, uh-huh. if they're not scoring, it's still a pretty exciting game. Like there's still a lot right. going on in the sport. I was just going to ask. because People you know, are still getting pounded. Yeah, exactly. Like considering you're in Alaska, like how big of a deal is hockey to you personally, like, do you watch it or is it a big deal in the right. state? Um, I don't watch it. So I've only been here for like two, not even two years yet, but I will tell you that it is a lot bigger and my kids love ice skating. And when my son hit the ice for the first time, now I've ice skated since I was little, like uh, I, I started well, since I was little while well, I was at least lighter than I am. But um, so my high school and, and I, I, I got lessons in my PE classes in high school from Central High School in St. Joseph, Missouri. Oh, That's wow. pretty damn cool. Yeah, they took us to I've never a skating ice rink. Yeah. I will I, fall I on my face. I love ice skating. I love ice skating. I've learned it. Now, my kids, um, we took them ice skating when, you know, the world was still whatever. And my son, he just took off on his skates, like running down the rink on the ice, and I was like, he, we need to get him in hockey. Like he will be an amazing player. And it is obviously bigger here. Now we didn't put them in sports this spring and we haven't yet because we're trying not to get sick. You know, now I didn't realize that everybody else, they're still doing sports and their kids are still doing oh, yeah. sports. And I'm like, shit, I feel terrible because we've all been bored, hating on each other here, you know, trying to stay healthy or whatever. But when it, when the world does get a little bit um, safer to be and and, you know, sports, are, I don't feel like there's a liability for our health. I'm definitely going to put him in hockey. I'm interested to see how he does because the way, that, you know, have you seen him? How they like, they don't ice skate. They like run. Well, you know what, I what, mean? what impresses amazing. me, what impresses me is like hockey players will fall down and then they get back up. Oh, like, yeah. On the, yeah. I, I would be breaking my ankles just trying to skate. Yeah. Ice skating is so fun. You should try. Oh, they, you know what they do here? They spray or they, they spray it with water when it freezes. So we go to our park that's, you know, a few miles away from our house and they sprayed this like round cement thing with water so that it would become an, um, like a place where you could ice skate. And then of course it melts when, when the spring comes and it melts, it's gone and it's just cement again, but they do that in the school parking lots. They do it at the, I mean, it's just crazy. And of course you can go on lakes that are frozen over and ice skate on there too. People do that. Doesn't that, isn't that crazy to think about? I yeah. Just think it is. I, no, I, I, I just think it's crazy to even attempt skating. Like I, I no, I can't do it's it. Fun. I will, you should try it. Look, Try it I have, while you're still young. I have I'm 40 bad years knees. old. Like when I fall, I break things. Uh, I have horrible knees. Um, but uh, yeah, Lisa says no one in St. Louis cares about St. Louis. And Lisa says she is from St. <laughs> Louis. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Hi, Lisa. Um, <laughs> so w- I, I don't know. Like me personally, I love the sport. I think I'm really shocked it's not as popular because I was watching uh, CNN's sports review, uh, Mm -hmm. which was actually really cool because it featured um, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes a lot because mm-hmm. they talked a lot about, you know, the, the beginning of the year, how it started off with Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, obviously that wasn't cool, but then shortly after the Super Bowl, and then that's right. when sports came to this, you know, crashing stuff where, you know, everything was on hold. And then the mm-hmm. whole um, talk about racism and right. what athletes tried to do with their uh, platform and Patrick yes. Mahomes was a part of that. So he was featured on that pretty uh, fairly often, which was great, but they did not show one single hockey highlight. Like why, what is wrong? <laughs> like why is hockey so low on the totem pole? I, I, I can't is, comprehend it. Tell me is soccer as represented as it is like, as it should be. Soccer's pretty big. Soccer right? is pretty huge in Kansas City. Like people love sporting Casey for whatever reason. When we were the Kansas City Wizards, no one gave a damn. I guess it's because we were sharing with a minor league baseball team. We were sharing a stadium with the minor league um, mm-hmm. stadium. It used to take place in Arrowhead. I don't. I don't know. But for whatever reason, when we changed our name to Sporting and had our right. own new stadium, that's when people cared. Um, look, I think in some places, like. I'm just going to take a guess and say in New York, I don't think people care about hockey. I think in a place like Kansas City, certainly in a lot of cities in California, maybe Texas, because it's pretty close. It obviously borders with Mexico. I think that's uh, those are places where, you know, people certainly care about soccer. So I don't know. Uh, I think it depends. And I, and look with the whole hockey thing, look, I'm sure in a lot of States up North, it's probably a bigger deal than it is in a lot of the Southern States. I don't know. Um, I'm speculating. I'm still learning about the sport, mm-hmm. but I think it honestly, people need I to think, get, I, I think it matters like what they played high school. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Cause I don't think there are a lot of high schools that have hockey. I mean, I don't know. My, my high school didn't, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are ways to play hockey recreationally, but I think high, in terms of actual high school yeah. teams, no people did. People did play where like I, I, um, like I understand where you're coming from because I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up right outside of Kansas city. And so basically we have similarities in our culture of growing up um, in that, in that sports way. And you're right. Baseball is everything. Um, football is everything. And then college basketball is everything. You know, that's how we grew up, you know, and celebrated sports. And then you're right. You go to other places and you find that like hockey is really good. There's another sport. There's another sport. I can't, think of but a lot of like prep schools do it and um you know just wherever you go the geography changes and so does the sports and soccer and in texas was a lot bigger there than it is where i was growing up in missouri so and i played soccer when i was a kid do um do you know if uh, high schools in alaska have um what's the sport lacrosse oh that's that's what i was trying to think of lacrosse i don't know but i know that in texas they did I know what my high school did. You know what's interesting? Uh, we have five high schools. It was only four at the time when I was still a student, but we have five high schools in the district. One of our the high schools has a rugby team, but because not many schools have a have enough students that are interested in rugby, they actually invited all of the students from the district. It's just they would mm-hmm. all be playing under one name, and that would be, you know, it could be your rival high school essentially, but right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, rugby's a fun sport too, but you know, I just, I just wish you know, hockey was more. I, I, I just wish it was accepted. more popular here. Yeah, accepted. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, get to decide right. that though. Right. 
I think it's the opportunity to play and I know it's big. I think hockey is big in Texas. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, my husband's um, friends, actually our friends, their kids were really big in hockey. It's also very, very, very expensive. Very expensive oh, yeah. to play. I don't you're looking that. at equipment and you're thinking about how boys, especially that are playing are growing. Like they don't grow just a little, they grow a lot. You have to get new equipment every year. It's just, yeah, I know it's what, very expensive. What sports do your kids play? Uh, my kids, I know this is so terrible. I grew up playing everything. My dad was like our coach. He played, you know, made us play everything. My kids, they don't, they haven't been in like any really? formal um, sports <laughs> at all. I feel like I failed them, but here's the thing. Like my husband, my husband doesn't give two shits about sports. He doesn't care. I, I like, like when I watch football or baseball, it, it's by myself. Or if I have a baby and right now my kids are growing up, so I don't have anybody to watch with me regularly. And I'm like, I can't do it all. I can't teach them school and teach them, you know, sports. Like I got to have a break, but I feel terrible because they're not playing. So last spring I was like, I was, get, I was like, they have to start playing. You know, um, I, I want them to learn what it's like to be on a team and to understand like the accountability part of that and practice and everything. And I was, and then the pandemic hit and I just, I didn't think anybody was going to do it. Like I thought we weren't supposed to do stuff like that. So, um, but my, my son and I, he likes throwing a football with me. Um, he likes, uh, my son will watch some baseball with me and, um, you know, it's going to be what he wants to be in. You know, what's interesting. I... And my daughter, my oldest likes basketball. She can shoot a ball. I did teach I... her how to shoot a basketball. So I came across the uh, Twitter account for uh, my middle school. I, I was just browsing and I somehow came across that. And I was pretty cur curious. I said, let me just see, like, are they, I'm sure they're, they take pictures of their students with certain activities they do. And I just want to see, you know, what's the whole, what's it like with the, are they all wearing masks? I assume. And they were, and then they're showing pictures of like the girls basketball game. And even the basketball players are wearing masks. I don't think everybody plays masks. I I've been seeing pictures of kids playing and they're not wearing masks, but not I don't really. know if it's an age thing or not because my kids are little still. So hmm. I mean, my oldest is 12, but, um, look, I'd be, I'd be complaining if I was, I'm one of those people, like I sweat pretty quickly, you know, if I'm jogging, you know, five minutes into the treadmill, I'm, I'm sweating. So for these kids, middle school girls, by the way, to wear masks, not complain and play basketball. Meanwhile, the adults are debating, you know, wearing masks and all that stuff. If the kids can do it I, while playing sports, I think the adults can do it too. Right. Right. I think oh. we all need to put our big pants on. One of our big pair of underwear pants. What do you call that? Or granny <laughs> panties and just, like do what's best for other people. Right now, nothing is. You're, we're not experiencing life like we thought, like we hoped, like we even know. We're just learning as we go. And the best thing to do is to respect people, protect yourself, protect others. Just do what's right. Stop making everything into political. Uh, you know whatever, a political mindset. It's about human beings next to you and how can you protect them and how can you protect yourself? Like that's what it's all about. And I think yeah. that this last year, 2020 glaringly told us that there's a huge population out there that just don't give two rats asses about anybody else but themselves and what is comfortable for them. So I know that's offensive, but it is what it is. Melody, the author of the I'm Sorry Story, real quickly, one last time um, in case anyone's joining us now. Um, uh, how can people check out your book? Yes. And you know what? I'll put it in the comments of the broadcast. You can get it. The I'm sorry story. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com. You can get it at amazon.com. And there are other little book chains um, that sell it or edumatchpublishing.com. Um, but you, but I suggest that you go to bit.ly slash 
I'm sorry story, all one word. And um, you can get it for like cheap. And also I'm on Facebook. I've responded to some people's um, you know, messages. If you want a, a signed copy, I will be glad to send you a signed copy. I have PayPal. I don't charge that much for it. Um, but I am a starving artist. Just kidding. I'm not starving. Hello. I gained 30 pounds this damn COVID crap. Um, but yeah, I would, and, and I've been doing read alouds with classes all over the world, literally all over the world. So if you're a teacher out there and I haven't offended you completely and you want me to read this to your class, please reach out to me. I'm very easy to get a hold of. So, um, but thank you for having me on your show. I, yes. I'm going to tell everybody this. I consider you like my younger brother. Like, I just think that you're Aww. an amazing person. You make me laugh all the time. It's true. And like, if I can support you in any way, I will. And I just love what you're doing. I love how when people hate on you, you're just like, why would I care about you? Like, you're not going to back down. You don't need to be saying, I'm sorry about all that. I didn't didn't know people hated on me. Oh, you know, they're like, I'm going to block you or I'm going to stop, you know, like, no, I'm the one who does the blocking. I'm the one. I'm the one who gets accused of blocking people. Yeah. But people are like, well, I'm not going to be your fan anymore. You're like, and, and, then, and then they still comment, which is cool, but uh, we don't need to give those people any relevancy. Uh, what I'm saying is that you're not like, you don't care about that. You are a strong person. You're not going to be swayed by popularity. You're, you're, you have an inner character that I really admire. And um, I'm glad to be your friend, virtual big sister. So thanks. Oh, you're you're so sweet. It. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Melody. Uh, check out her book. Uh, check out her Facebook page. It, it doesn't let me tag her, unfortunately, because of the way zoom works uh hopefully they fix that one day but go to her facebook page she does so uh, not a podcast but some live videos so check that out i do and a lot of my friends have told me i need to put it in a podcast but i do a lot of live broadcasts yes i, I can help you with that and it's pretty easy i know how to do it i just don't have, a, oh, okay. I have five kids you know um, what i mean like, I, I, I fair enough I, I i i can't say i understand that but i i'm sure that <laughs> i believe you i can do it if i wanted to i could do it all right. Well, Melody, uh, check out our book, check out our page. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll do this again. Yes, I hope so. All right. Take care. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. Bye. All right. There you have it. Melody McAllister. I always love talking to her. So sweet of her. The, the things she was saying in the end, uh, check out her book, uh, the I'm sorry story and, uh, go to her Facebook page. Uh, just search Melody McAllister. You can find her page easily. And, uh, all the guests that she has on a uh, lot of educators she talks to uh, a lot of great content on there if you if you want to hear more about education those kinds of things go, definitely go check out her uh, her Facebook page she does a lot of live videos on there there are archives as well and maybe she might convert that into a podcast soon so check it out uh, that's all from me appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of Farscast. I will be back next week. We've got a couple of interesting guests coming up. Matt Derrick, uh, the uh, very first guest on Farscast. He's going to be coming back soon. He is a Chiefs writer for ChiefsDigest.com. He's going to be coming on uh, in the uh, next couple of weeks. Also, Joe Valerio, former Kansas City Chief, he will be on as well. And Ryan McKinnell of SiriusXM. He's going to be joining me as well later this month. So some some good uh, guests coming up in the near future for Farscast. So stay tuned. Check that out. And I will talk to you guys then. Take care.